Hello, James here, and yes, you have dialed into the James cast. As unusual as it might be for me to have a few words with you before we start the podcast, it really is kind of important that, one, I thank so many of you for signing up to the James Cast website, www.thejamescast.com. Thank you very much, and, and keep doing so. Second of all, I thought we'd make this podcast a little bit different. And as you know, typically what I do on the James cast is I repost some of what we do on Podaholics. So on these podcasts, I thought, why not include some of the pre-roll? Give you a little sense of the conversation we have before we start. It's kind of fun or not, but you can you can just fast forward if you get bored. So that's what we're going to do this time around on the James cast. Yes, you're going to get all the great programming that we usually put together, but a little bit of the pre-roll. And also, I had a wonderful conversation with Marilyn Zakor. She is from Beirut. She's here in Dubai. She's doing some great things. But she has a message that she would like to share post Beirut explosion. And I think it's really important. So we've also included that here on the James cast. Look, enough of me talking. Let's get to it. Here's Marilyn and the James cast follows. Hi, my name is Marilyn. I'm the host of who run the world podcast and I'm Lebanese on August 4, 2020 at 6 7 PM. Beirut was rocked with an explosion that shattered the entire city. After Hiroshima and Nagasaki, this is the third biggest explosion in a city in recorded history. Countless lives were lost, hundreds of homes brought to the ground, and 300,000 people are displaced. We urge you not to normalize this in your minds. This is not normal in the Middle East. This is a human catastrophe that deserves global attention and support. Lebanon had already been battling with hyperinflation, more than 60% unemployment, and the coronavirus. People can't afford to buy a loaf of bread, let alone rebuild an entire city. If you can spare any amount, no matter how small, there are many ways to donate. Please go to lebanoncrisis.carrd.co slash hashtag donate. It'll link you to trusted NGOs like Impact Lebanon, the Lebanese Red Cross, Beit El Baraka, and so many others that are doing the real work on the ground. The link once more is l-e-b-a-n-o-n-c-r-i-s-i-s dot c-a-r-r-d dot co slash hashtag donate. Beirut needs you. Its people need your help. Please don't turn a blind eye. Even five dollars can go a long way. Very informative. I thought so. he was going to say stop umming because I've been trying, but no, they no, still, you're getting better. They still uh, slip in there. Sometimes. Umming. umming. Mm, no, <laughs> not umming. <laughs> <laughs> just umming and mm, umming and ahring. Speaking too quickly. That's the thing. You just got to slow down. Can't help it, James. It's I, like I get excited. I know. But and the more just, excited I get, the, the quicker it all comes out. You just have to be thinking the person on the other side listening. I have to do it in work as well. They tell me because. Um, Obviously, you've only got so long to talk to the, the uh-huh. crew. And so you're trying to speak really, really... You're trying to get it in quick, but and at the same going, time, uh, occasionally they just say, we don't uh, understand your accent. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. And, and I put on my most professional voice and everything. Because you're talking too fast. Yeah, yeah that's what because it is. Because sometimes exactly uh, when you is. send me voice messages, it's a totally different voice that I'm hearing. And I, I literally, sometimes I got to go, hold on, what exactly did you just say? <laughs> And I'll, uh, so I'll play it again and go, oh, yeah, okay, I in get it. In speech, I can go crazy, James. Yeah. There's no need to. And then to. when you throw in a few slang, forget it. I don't know. Sometimes I'll go, <laughs> you I wonder must. what that really means. Dad, <laughs> Dad will know a lot more slang than I do. He's from Liverpool. Goodness. I'm a proper scouser. Th- there we go. See? So sometimes the slang stuff, I have no idea. That's why I listen to Catboy. Because he uses a lot of slang, so then I can text him. What exactly did you mean with that? Because one day he had this whole long story with, and I literally, he's laughing and everyone's laughing. And I'm going... There's nothing funny in what you just said. <laughs> like, there was no point. Where, where is Catboy from? I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what slang are you learning? You don't even Whatever, know. Whatever, some British slang. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I have no idea where he's from. Catboy and who does he do his, his thing he's, with? He's a loner now. Oh, is he? But who was he with Catboy and? Jordy Bird. Jordy right, Bird. okay. But where, she, she, where did she go? She, well, she, well, when they got divorced, then she got remarried to this guy. Oh. Now she lives in a castle. <laughs> 
So. I told you it's divorce city at the moment. Everyone's getting divorced. Really? Yeah. We've had a lot of friends that have got uh, divorced after sort of just a couple of years. Oh, that's After worse. spending a fortune on these extravagant weddings. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what, what a waste of cash. <laughs> well, should we start this we show? We should start the show. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get going. No, so okay. We're talking about dad's lack of prostate. Lack of prostate? You have like no prostate? No. It's gone. So they yeah, took it out six years ago. So how does that all work then? <laughs> well, well I, I, didn't, I didn't actually conduct the operation. I just, uh, I was just on the receiving end. Should have recorded it. Yeah. Oh, don't worry, it's all on record. Oh, well, because the last two, the first two shows of the day, I didn't push the record button. So. Oh no! Oh, but I noticed. Thank it's, God. Yeah, but it. You've got you've got a really bad habit of doing yeah. that, James. I know because the record button is green and. Green to me is go, yeah. and red is stop. So why would the record button, when you push record, why would it be red? Because universally, <laughs> I know. it's red. I know it is, but it doesn't fit in my mind. I just think green. We're not in a car. <laughs> We're not on a radio. Well, podcasting, whatever it is. I know. So usually I just click the button and start it well in advance so I can just edit junk out because right. <laughs> otherwise you forget. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, let's start. Get let's get this going. Here we go. <laughs> All right, welcome to Potaholics. This is Doc Talk with Dr. Jenna Burton, and we're coming to you from the slightly busy lobby of the Rove Hotel downtown, but not too busy. And it's going to be a lot of fun because I think this show is turning into Jenna's family show, and we're running through all of the stuff that's going on with her family. It's going to be a lot of fun, by the way. And we're we're going to pick up where we left off somewhere along the line but we're gonna be talking prostates today and more so that's that would be three shows we've done talking about men's health it, not on purpose no. it's just dad came out last minute and last time i had my mum on yeah and i always say well what i do for one you do for the other so he's elderly so i've just brought him along <laughs> get really him out nice. get it's him really out the nice house Thank you, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't believe, I can't believe you're, you're saying that about your dad. But he is. He's getting on. Show him a bit. Show him a bit of Dubai. You know, stretch his legs. <laughs> Keep him mobile. Yeah. One, one day she'll be nice to me. <laughs> one day. <laughs> no, I. Uh, it wasn't on purpose, actually. But I think we've talked a few times about maybe getting my dad on yeah, to talk have. about prostate cancer. Yeah. And we were going to do our show about aging, but then yeah, that but we'll, fits with dad yeah, too. Yeah, we'll come back to that. This is like three shows. I'm going to have to put them all together. Three shows we've done on men's health. And actually the first one was the classic one because we were talking vasectomies and circumcision. Yeah. And we had Andrew Thomas from Digital Nexa just kind of come and sat down. I said, hey, join us for the show. But he didn't ask what we were talking about. So we just introduced it and started talking and he was kind of fidgeting in his seat. He was not comfortable at all. And can we just mention imagine. that my mum was yeah. also in the room. And then your mum came yeah. on after. She filled in when he left. I, I know. So she actually wasn't invited. <laughs> Mum wasn't invited. Mum just gagged in. Whereas Dad, I did actually invite him along today. Yeah, so that's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, my family. My brother's left, but I don't really know what I'd talk to. He's he's in good health, so I've not yeah. really got. Oh, well, there's probably something. Remember, guys don't talk about that stuff. So he's, you're probably the last person he's going to talk about something. I don't know. He's a bit of a hypochondriac. But there we go. That, yeah. you see? It's, it's perfect. Hypochondriasis. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, no. He's he's touch wood. I'm going to touch some wood. He's in good nick. Right. So. so before we get started, I've heard lots of good stories. I've heard the stretching stories. We're going to walk through your stretching right. routine. But really, <laughs> the question I have is best roller coaster you've ever been on? Best roller coaster? Um, I don't know whether you call it the best or the worst. I think it was, Coo is it Coombar that was in oh. Alton Towers? I think it was in America, that one, Jay, uh, Dad. Um, that what's, was the, what's the one in Alton Towers in the UK? Nemesis. Nemesis, that's the one, where we queued up for ages. It was a red-hot day. My little bald head had the sun <laughs> right down on it. And we queued, and we got to the front of the queue. And it's one of those where your legs hang down, and you go upside down and everything. And um, the man at the um, who was loading the, uh, the roller coaster said... You're at the front of the queue. Do you want to be in the first one? And I didn't have time to answer, and Jenna just said yes. How, how old were you at this point? I don't know. Maybe about... I don't know. You're, you're only young. just over the height. Yeah, okay. height uh, yeah. And the man looked at me and said, well, 
There's one advantage of being in the front, uh, vomit travels backwards. <laughs> we were randomly in the car on the way here. We were talking about roller coasters, James. That's so funny. Well, but you've told yeah. me the stories forever and ever that you're, you and your dad were like ro- roller coaster fanatics. So you were out there roller coastering and having fun. I wasn't a roller coaster fanatic. She was. <laughs> and she dragged you along. She, I was dragged on. That was it. I had to be the brave dad. I was scared stiff. <laughs> I can't wait for my boys to go on roller coasters. So my mum wasn't a fan and my brother... He was sometimes into it, sometimes he wasn't. Yeah. And my husband's completely useless. Oh, you won't we go went, on them? You won't go on them. There was one ride in America. I'd been on 12 rides and one day on my own. I just kind of like just left him. Which, like, which park were you at? We were in Universal Studios. Oh, nice. So I'm just going to have to leave him. Park him, park him up with a coffee. I'm going to enjoy this place. I gave myself a real headache, actually. It was maybe a <laughs> few too many rides in one go. But a guy walked up uh, to us, and I'm pulling James's hand saying, come on, James, come on one ride with me. And it was... It was one that was completely in the dark. I can't remember the name. It was completely in the dark. And he's pulling me the other way going, no, Jenna, I'm not going on a ride. And this guy walked up and he said, "Um, sir, I think this woman really wants to go on this ride and she wants you to come along. So he said, oh, 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 it's okay, it's okay. And the next minute he takes us takes us through the back doors. He obviously worked there, took us to the front of the queue, and then James had to go on the ride. Oh, no. And he was terrified, and it was the funniest thing <laughs> I've ever experienced. There's nothing funnier in life than seeing someone that is petrified of a, a roller coaster and take them on. <laughs> so now that's it. Yeah. He's never going on No, he's one. never going on one again. Yeah. But so I, I mean, I've I had my fun with him. Do, <laughs> do, you, do you like the rides? I, I, I used to, and I was in Canada's Wonderland, and I went on the Leviathan, which is one of those rides you get on, and it's four across, and your your feet are hanging down, and it mm. goes down about a 90-degree angle and hits about 140 kilometers yeah. by the time it hits the bottom. And uh, so I was on that ride, and that was my, my last roller coaster. Oh, really? Because I got off of it, and I was drenched. So the 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 reaction of my body was... I was like everything, my shorts, it was, I, I, I thought I got in the washroom. It was like everything. <laughs> and I couldn't stop sweating and I was green. And then I went on this old Woody right after it. And I thought, oh, this will be good. And it, and it kind of slammed when it was stopping and it was, you know, two people in a car, but there was no one beside me. And it was you know just a nice creaky roller coaster. And I kind of slammed into the rest thing. And, and lucky I made it onto the platform to a garbage that had a hinged roof because I lost everything at oh, that so point. Oh, really? And after oh, that, yeah. though, I couldn't do I, I can't do any roller coasters. The, the Leviathan killed me because it was just I wasn't fully recovered from it when I went on this other coaster. So uh, now I'm, I'm no longer a coaster guy. Just thinking about that makes me feel nauseous. Do you know, th- there's been quite a few accidents now in the UK. I think there were two accidents where they were in the space for a few years. Oh, yeah. And I, I think it makes you question a little bit. It wouldn't stop you going on, yeah. but it does make you question actually... They're safe, but things, I think everything fun, in life do go wrong. But they're fun. And I think it was a, a good wake-up call for one of my sons because he was he's a big boy and he, he put on some weight. He put on, he put on enough weight that he couldn't go on that roller coaster. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, no. so that was, yeah. for him, it was, it was devastating at the moment when they said, dude, you can't get on here. A, you're a little bit big and we can't really close the bar as it should be closed and you're just too heavy. And that was a big wake-up call for him and he lost a whole bunch of weight because of that. But I, I love coasters. I just think it's a thrill ride. <laughs> But you're not going on one again. You're no, saying you love no, them, no. but you're not going no, on No, I'm any not going James. on them. No, it's not happening. That's all right. I'll go on them for you. <laughs> but I, I like to say to Dad, I've, I've kept him young, you know. Yeah. No, you've nearly killed me <laughs> on quite a number of occasions. <laughs> but Dad I, is Oh, Mr. I want to hear the details here. <laughs> I, I, I really haven't. I really haven't. There's a... No, I mean, I've been a bit of a pest to Dad. I mean, for instance, it's the, the kind of thing when he'd be lying He's down. He's got like a big smile as you... It, the stories are running oh, through. Oh, yeah. There's, there's plenty of stories. <laughs> but it's just keeping his heart healthy. Give it a little shock now and again. There's a few times I... Um, he was asleep uh, sunbathing at home in our garden... So my brother put me up to actually just say, get some cold water and chuck it on dad, like wake him up. And I swear the watering can came flying back at me with some <laughs> expletives. And he thought someone was trying to kill him. But I think between us, we've done, we've done plenty. But dad's actually Mr. Fit and Healthy. He's Mr. Well, the thing. We, we, we've talked Mr. about this. Muscle. We've talked about this a whole bunch of times. And you, you said with 34 years, all yeah. you remember is every morning you get up and you have, what, a 20-minute stretching routine. Uh, pretty well, yeah. Yeah, I do now. I think it's probably got longer as I've got older because <laughs> the muscles have seized up. Um, so, yeah, I, d- I do find that as so I've got walk, older, I need to Walk us stretch. through this because this is something that we've talked about quite a bit. Not about you, but just as people get older, you know, that, that just that doing that twist and things and getting up off chairs and stuff. 
people are having more and more of a difficulty doing it. So what they do, they take up some yoga, they do some stretching, but by then it's maybe too late because they should have been doing the routine for a long time. Yeah. Well, I've always had problems with my back. I have got a couple of worn discs in my back. And so really it started as strengthening my back and the whole core. Mm. Uh, So I started off with that first thing of the morning. And I do go to the gym regularly. I go to the gym about five times a week usually. And more now he's retired. He's got nothing else to do, (laughs) James. So weight training or what are you? I I mix it up, cardio, uh, cardio classes, and then some weights. Nothing, nothing too heavy. I don't. don't Like spinning, Les Mills stuff, or I do. Yeah, Les Mills certainly have done some classes. I've done do spinning. I do circuit training. Nice uh, boxer size, all that sort of thing. So I'll mix, I'll mix. How's, how's boxer size? I've I, seen that. I love it. Really? I love it, yeah. That's my favourite. If you've if you've had a bad day <laughs> and you want to get rid of the aggression, <laughs> just go and pummel those bads. Yeah. It's quite frustrating because me and Dad, it's always been our thing to do together is, well, we've got two things that we always do together. One is go to the gym and the other is we go to the cinema. So we've been to the gym this morning and tonight we're going to the cinema. So there, there what are you going to see at the cinema? I don't know, James. There's is like nothing, there's like nothing gone. But we'll, we'll find something. Dad likes to watch terrible films. So... That's always been our little thing. And when we'd go to exercise together years ago, Dad would be saying, don't you hit my little girl, and telling people <laughs> they couldn't hit me. And it was really frustrating because I felt I couldn't get a proper workout because these guys, big chaps, are like giving me tiny little yeah. pathetic jabs, like a little cat or something. But no, you, you still go and you love it, don't you? I love it, yeah. Oh, that's the one exercise I can't do now because of social distancing. Oh, that's right. The arms are not quite long enough for two meters. Are they enforcing that, though, even in a they gym? Are. Like, that's... They are, oh. yeah, they... The gyms in the UK only opened two weeks ago. Okay. So I can still do circuits. I can do spinning. Um, we've taken a number of bikes out of the room. Right. Um, when we're doing circuits, we're um, all distancing again. But obviously boxing, it's, it's an up-closing thing. So, so are you, do that. obviously you've got friends the same age as yourself. Uh, no, most of them are younger. Okay. Most of them are younger. Ah. Well, nearly all of them are younger. <laughs> <laughs> but because that was the whole point. I was, I was wondering, are, are folks... are you know, the same age as yourself, do you find those those guys and those gals also getting into the gym or not so much? There's, there's a few. There's a yeah. few over 60s in there, but uh, most of the people I'm training with are probably mid-40s. I noticed that as well. I always wonder where the, the 50, 60-year-olds go because it's always the same age. And I, I'm, all, I'm always looking in there going, why have they stopped? I'm like, why? And In fact, I got, I got a friend who, he must be about 56 right now, and he's a, he's he always tells me he says James he's a master swimmer we we actually started master swimming together cool story for about a year we're swimming in this pool Claude Robillard pool and I'm swimming with Roberto and all these folks and we're only speaking French and then one day we're at the end of the thing and he's speaking English and I'm going dude he's going oh I didn't realize you want to speak in English and so the whole thing is always taking place in French the whole pool is French everyone yeah. was French except him. So, but why? I don't understand why. I don't know. Like, I, we always spoke French to each other. Even my terrible French, we were speaking French to each other. And then for some reason, he was speaking English. And we just, we became lifelong friends after that. And anyway, so at 55, he's going to me, this is the best time of your life to get back into competitive swimming. Because, A, you, you know, you, you can get back in, you can do some training. But all of the really good folks seem to be dropping out. So you're now suddenly <laughs> at the top of the game. And he, he actually set world records. And he's in his 50s because all of his competition is leaving. Yeah, I so suppose he's that's one way of looking at it. So he's saying this is a good deal. Well, yeah. we've, we've talked before about sometimes gyms can be a little bit discriminating or uncomfortable for yeah. people of certain ages, of certain weights, etc. And sometimes people feel it's not a place for them because they see the young guys going in and you know, they've got the muscles yeah. on and the vests on, you know. Yeah, and, and really, it's, it's, it's totally a place for people. It's not yeah. a young man's game. It's for everybody. Yeah. And I think keeping that movement going, that's that's the key. And not overdoing it. I saw, what did I see the other day? Someone overdoing it. And I was just watching them. And they were lifting. And it was an excruciating amount of weight. And I could see, every, and exactly, I'm going, yeah, they're going to be in pain. They're, they're going to wreck something, which is what, you know, and, and CrossFit and all that kind of stuff. I love CrossFit. but my, It's great to watch, but oh. it's, uh, you, you think those guys are really <laughs> going to suffer as they get older. Well, that's it. And yeah. my osteo guy, he loves CrossFit too because yeah. he says that's that keeps him in business. He's going to put his kids through university with CrossFit. Yeah, can imagine. Inevitably, someone pulls something. 
but that's that's more dad's problem for instance mm. so we've talked uh, last podcast we did last week or the week before we talked about how see, some see people how Jenna's, accept see, Jenna's getting right back on track this is incredible but you're running the show I like this I try James to keep you on a little bit of a, a, a pathway can you imagine what my classes are like because I make wild I'd detours I'd, I'd hate to think the length of your classes oh, every, every class even the first one right to the limit. Like students are going, don't we get out early? It's like, are you kidding? <laughs> There's no early with James Pike away yeah. yet. Uh, but we were talking the last time we, we met, we were talking about the different, how people accept aging and some yeah. people accept it, almost become a bit mumsy or fuddy-duddy a little bit early yeah. and they feel they have to because they've reached a certain age. Yeah. Dad would be on that other end of the spectrum. That's he cool. is the guy that pushes it too much. When he goes to box exercise, he asks <laughs> He's not, shaking his head. not yeah. to have a partner so he can do double the workload that everybody nice. else does. It is nice. But, you know, you've also got to recognise limits. Kind of looks ripped, actually. I'm just but looking here. At my, my philosophy is I'm never more than one day older. If I have a birthday, I'm not a year older. I'm one day older. And if I could do it yesterday, I can do it today. Which That's it. is absolutely fine. It's just also there's, there's, a, there's a good balance, isn't there? Yeah. And I think you're getting a bit more sensible. But there have been times we've all been worried that he's been absolutely shattered. At one point, he was working early in the morning and insisting it didn't matter how tired he was. He'd go and look after my grandma after work and then he'd go straight to the gym. And it's kind of it's important to keep moving and keep fit, etc. But there is yeah. a nice healthy balance and also learning to accept you're older. Somebody. Yeah. It's only one day older. One, One day, day older, older. <laughs> but somebody, I, I don't want to say who, uh, but somebody once put on a dating profile that he was about 20 years younger than he was <laughs> under the name Boxfit. And I was like, Dad, look, you look young, you, but... What were you doing on the dating profile? <laughs> you saw that. I was like, you're taking the Michael here, Dad. <laughs> you got a good few dates out of it, though, didn't you? Well, I might well have done, Jenna, but I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying no more on that. <laughs> But there were one of the, the things that we, and taking it back to where we're going and yeah. we're talking men's health, one of the things we want to talk about was prostate. And men hate talking about prostates. You know, and I've, I've joked with the guys saying that we should do a live prostate exam on the podcast. I'm up for it. And, and they're all kind of like, uh, no. And, and honestly, the reason I said that is, is your fingers are really long. Yes. <laughs> I've told you the story about my fingers, though, haven't I? No. When I was in... Um, when you when you graduate, you're in F1, F2, and that means foundation year. So you're uh-huh. a foundation doctor. And they used to always clock my fingers. The seniors would clock my fingers. The nurses would clock my fingers because I have got really long yeah. fingers. And they're not very wide either, so that's kind of nice. So you can, you, you can do <laughs> terrible, terrible things. So you can examine prostates, but you can also do fecal impactation oh, removal as well right. you yeah. told me that story and it's it's oh not the most pleasant thing to do but you know you really can help somebody and all the rest of it but still you don't mind doing it now and again but they'd always be like jenna you you want to go and sort out yeah bed number 36 could do you know, do a bit impacting <sighs> oh, no. can you go and, and help someone this and, and everyone thinks sometimes that being doctors are glamorous absolutely not it's <laughs> just gross though it's, like, it's like how do you, got, you, how, do how do you unpack it? Just go in there and pull it out? It's literally to try. Sometimes that must even, hurt for the the patient it's though. Not, well, they're, they're in such a bad way. Okay. Imagine being so constipated that laxatives, enemas, none of them are working. Really, and sometimes literally just physically trying to help remove what is there can help. Does you this can't happen a lot much. to people? Yeah, it's one yeah. Of, another thing that comes with aging. Sadly, is constipation, especially in women. Oh. It can happen to anybody. So there's a few things you can get. You can get a bowel obstruction. Yeah, uh, which yeah, is, I've heard of those. Yeah, effectively where the bowel literally becomes obstructed and it could be with feces or whatever. And that's really dangerous. So it can be... Because it could kill... You could get cut off blood supply and stuff like that? It absolutely will kill you if it's not oh. rectified. So what happens is people start to get feces coming out through their mouth. They start to oh, vomit no, feces. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Really? And you have to put a That's got to be the extreme situation, though, for it to be reversing. You... Either you can put a tube up the nose and help relieve the pressure and, and then sometimes give lax tips and it can help, but most usually it's normally surgical intervention. Yikes. And if not, you get a toxic megacolon. So your colon, before the impaction, grows so wide that if you think about the cells are normally side by side, they yeah. start to develop gaps and wow. then you get fecal matter going to the, into the abdominal cavity, which is a huge infection risk and, it, and it, it yeah. absolutely will kill you through sepsis if you don't treat it. So it usually is surgical intervention, but not always. You can sometimes alleviate with, so, with gross laxatives, really. While we're on the topic of constipation, right. what should people be doing? Because, I mean, you've got two, two, it swings both ways, right? Constipation and diarrhea. 
if this is what's happening, what should people be eating to help ward off constipation besides just figs and prunes and I that kind of stuff? I absolutely love the fact that you always take things back to the bowels. Last time we were talking about <laughs> diarrhea. It's always, we always bring it back. We had, we had a great conversation <laughs> about aging and just at the end you find me with diarrhea and I was like, James, that's got nothing to do no, with what aging, we've just been discussing. Constipation, it's always... But, well, constipation is fitting for aging because it does happen as you get See? older. See? Yeah, in. so diet, that can help. Is it, is it diet, 90% of it just diet? Not 90% because we were talking last time as well about a lot of it can be anxiety, yeah. oh. medications you're on, a lot of the reason anxiety why. Anxiety can lead to constipation? Of course, yes. Really? It, absolutely. It can big brain, little brain. I think ah. I told you that yeah, the yeah. same same substances that when you're a fetus that makes the brain also makes the bowel. And therefore, if you're very anxious and actually stop you going to the toilet, for some people it can bring on diarrhea. For some people it can actually bring on constipation. Wow. So it can be that. A lot of people as they get older are on a lot of pain medications, yeah. notably opiates, so codeines, morphine derivatives. And therefore that really bungs people up and that, that is a huge cause for constipation lack of moving a lot of people don't move as they get older therefore again constipation so dehydration dehydration constipation oh, the, the sounds got a bit of a ring yeah, to it it's a song yeah it is <laughs> i feel like i feel like i could do something with that james um however it, it's a whole combination of different things so diet partly enough not enough people eat you know fruits and yeah. vegetables there is so there's a rule to say you should be eating lots of high fiber yeah. You know, so, so whole wheat pasta, whole wheat okay. bread, oats, yeah, things like Rivita, bran. However, I have met the reason I'm hesitant to give that as advice is I have met gastroenterologists that say sometimes that can bung people up further. Really? So it's not everybody that responds so well to that high fiber diet. Okay. And there's a lot of things that you can take that it's, it's like a laxative, but it's just a high, it's basically a high fiber supplement. And mm. some people do really well on it. And some people actually, it just makes the, the problem worse. So really hydrate, keep moving, plenty of fruits and vegetables. If it's not helping alleviate, then really need to go and see a doctor. And sometimes just a very small osmotic laxative. So something that draws water into the bowel, but doesn't stimulate the bowel. Just doing that for a few days can just kick everything off again. So are there different kinds of lactive, laxatives? Yeah, there's lots of different ah. types. Okay, so, so that's news. But that's I thought a laxative <laughs> was a laxative. No, no. So as I say, one is a fibre supplement. Most commonly, the first line you give is an osmotic. So for instance, children that come in, you give them an osmotic. And all it does is it draws water into the bowel. So mm. it can actually make you feel a bit more dehydrated because you're effectively taking the water in your cells and drawing it into the bowel. And it just helps flush things out. And then the other one you have is like a stimulant laxatives. And there's different types like this, this Senna or this Bicycodil. And... Centers may be a bit more natural, but either way, the difficulty with those stimulant laxatives is you can become dependent and the bowel gets a bit uh, lazy. Okay. Hence why you want to keep people on laxatives for the shortest amount of time possible. Oh. You want to get them in, get them okay, back yeah. into a good routine, clear them out, and then try and get back to normal as quickly as you can. Nice. Well, there we go. See, we solved We solved yet another mystery. <laughs> another of James's bowel <laughs> mysteries, yes. <laughs> don't worry, we'll have a new one for you. All right. I, I don't know where you're going to come with that, but I'm, I'm ready for it, James. <laughs> but we did want to talk prostates. Well, the prostate's close to the bowel, so it's yeah. a natural link. Yeah, yeah. So Dad hasn't got one. I, I, I thought... I, I, did, I didn't realize they actually took prostates out. Yes. I thought they left them. They, they go in and make them, you know, what do, what do they call that? Uh, scrape them, whatever. But I, I didn't realize they removed them. If, you, if you've got prostate cancer, okay. one of the options, and it was the only option that was given to me, was that it had to come out. Now, how long did you know that you had prostate issues? Or I didn't. Okay. Uh, all that happened, to the full story, is... I moved house uh -huh. and had to change doctor. And when I went to the new doctors, they said, well, uh, we automatically give you some sort of health checkup. Yeah. So I went through, you know, the normal checklist, what you eat, what you drink, all this sort of thing. They said, well, you seem very healthy, Harry, but you've never had any blood tests for cholesterol, kidneys, liver, yeah. prostate, PSA levels. So I had the blood test and my PSA was very high. Mm. Say I'd had no symptoms whatsoever. I wasn't worried. I had any problems. Evil go to the washroom okay. Everything was yeah, working. Yeah, everything was fine. Okay. I mean, I'd go out for a drink with the lads yeah. and they were going backwards and forwards to the toilet far more than I was. Hmm. Um, so I didn't know I had any problems at all. Yeah. Um, so the next option was the finger. Yeah. <laughs> then uh, he said, mm, yeah, okay, it's, it's a bit rough. We better explore further. And then 
MRI and then um, a biopsy. And uh, yeah, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And uh, at what, what age were you at this point? I was 63. 63? Yeah. And, and, and pretty much what we call that asymptomatic. There's nothing. Yeah. Retrospectively, you said you'd felt a bit tired at times. Sometimes in the gym, maybe your legs felt a little bit tired, but that was quite literally yeah. what it yeah, was. Yeah, and retrospectively, probably I wasn't going to the toilet quite as easily. Uh-huh. But because it comes on so slowly, you don't yeah. notice it at all. Which is, this is a huge issue for guys because one, we ignore the prostate. It's like, whatever it is, it's in there, it's doing its thing. Mm. And as you said, it happens so slowly. Yeah. And if you haven't, you know, I, I mean, obviously it sounds like you prescribe to a very similar uh, medical camp that I prescribe to. If it's not broken, doesn't feel like it's going That's wrong. Right. Why would I go and get a whole bunch of tests when I'm feeling fine? That's right. We've talked a lot about preventative health. And yeah. I often say to you, just once a year, just check in don't have to do anything extravagant sometimes it's just a conversation or just a couple of blood tests check your yeah. hemoglobin etc and as you get older the, the blood tests change it's not a big deal why, why yeah. not do it, it takes yeah. half an hour an hour of your day at the most and I think dad would be a prime example of something like that and dad's great not, message to it you know why not well he's not the only one I've known I mean I worked in when I first started doing preventative health screens I thought what a, what a joke this is this is what this is a real money-making thing from the the clinic I was working in. it was a private clinic and I felt embarrassed doing them to be honest because I thought these people are clearly really fit and well wellness checks they call yes. them sometimes or yes exactly wellness checks uh, 360 degree <laughs> checks etc and especially because they derive from America, which has always been known as a little bit sometimes as, you know, a, a money-making scheme within yeah. healthcare. And then as time went on, I actually found quite a lot of things. It's not with everybody, yeah. but it just takes one person that you can really change their life on a path that they didn't even know that they were on. And now I am such a believer in them, and I, I really, mm. I do, I feel very, very strongly. I mean, Dad had gone about 10 years or something, I think, without having any blood tests. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah. That's yeah. a long time. Especially yeah. over the age of 50. Yeah. And you keep so saying that. You keep saying 50 is the marker. <laughs> I have said 50. It, I'm, I'm terrified <laughs> to say anything now, James, because I know you're over 50. And in fact, you've just had a birthday. 55? Yeah, I know. Yeah. It, I wasn't going to say it, James. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's one more day. I'm going it's with not, that. It's not as if there is a cut-off between yeah. 49, you're not going to get anything, and 50, you are. It's just, as Dad says, it's progressive, yeah. and you have to have a you have to have a cut-off somewhere for where do you check. Yeah. If you're getting symptoms and you're 45, if you get symptoms and you're 30, there's a lot of people that get cancers in their 30s that they weren't expecting. It's just naturally, the progression is you are more likely to get cancers. Mm. I don't know if you're aware, but everybody develops little cancers all the time. It's just right. that your body's internal detection system helps get rid of them and so you never even knew that they were there the problem is is that detective system becomes a little bit lazy it's not quite mm. as clever doing the job and therefore naturally as you get older so for instance say my granddad had cancer at 80 you don't even really classify that as a risk factor for the generation below because well he's 80 he's probably going to start to get things like cancers anyway it's yeah. it's not like a genetic Thing, that is just something that happens as you get older mm. and so yeah everyone should go and get it checked dad has been very lucky still got a few cells hanging around they think don't they uh yeah i still get my psa checked at least twice a year um it is higher than it was when the prostate first came out so effectively okay. they're saying i've still got cancer mm. but i don't feel as though i have right and it's still at a very very low level um, and do they have any idea where those cancer cells might be? No, I've no. had a number of, well, I've had a couple of scans and they can't identify them. So, um, interesting. So, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I'm fit and healthy and I'm just yeah. carrying on. And uh, prostate surgery, is, is that, this is a pretty common thing now? I mean, easy recovery, all that kind uh, of? I wouldn't say it's, it's easy because um, I went into the hospital feeling fit and well and yeah. came out feeling a wreck with the catheter in for a week. That's a long time. Uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, felt it at the time. <laughs> yeah. He was he was a nightmare, James. No, nope. yeah. I nightmare. wasn't, but never mind. <laughs> I had to drag him out the house to walk out the house. Yeah, I, I was self-conscious. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to go anywhere. Well, and that's uh, that becomes the other problem, right? So it's, you know, this is a pretty major surgery, and then there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Yeah, and then afterwards, um, a lot of people, if they've had the prostate out, become incontinent. Uh-huh. And I was for a period of about six weeks. I mean, my lowest point was probably the day before the catheter came out. 
and I had delivered to me a large box, massive box. And in it was what I would call man-sized nappies. And an early cry, I thought, how bad is this going to be when the catheter comes out? As it was, it wasn't too bad. Mm. Uh, But for about six weeks, I had some problems, but uh, I worked on the... (laughs) (laughs) On the pelvic floor. Yeah. And religiously, didn't you? Yeah, religiously, yeah. And you've got to, and I think because I was fit beforehand, it all yeah. helped. Um, but I've still got problems. I, I don't drink much caffeine now. I still oh, have okay. teas and coffees. But cut I back on have, the caffeine. Cut back on the caffeine. I've cut back on the beer. So it doesn't mean I've cut out alcohol, but I'm more on gin and tonics yeah. and things. And also... Um, fizzy drinks because they're all diuretics oh yeah so although i'm not incontinent i am aware that i will be going to the toilet far more often if i'm on those sort of drinks so moral of the story if you've had your prostate out avoid avoid uh diet cokes avoid coffees just go for the gin and tonic and get on the hard stuff that's what i heard (laughs) i I just said i'm already i'm already there this is good thing is we were very lucky because the area where we live it just so happened that the urologist, the surgical urologist that lived um, near us, he does radical prostatectomy, so takes radical out... Radical prostatectomy. That's what you call a surgery where you're trying to eliminate the entire... Sur- you're trying uh-huh. to eliminate the entire cancer within the one surgery, which is what Dad had. So he had a radical prostatectomy, and he had it effectively by a robot. So it was a... Really? It, it's not non-invasive, it is invasive, but he yeah. would sit... I have actually seen him do one of the surgeries before because it randomly obviously it was in the hospital where I used to work but he would sit in the corner of the room to perform the surgery and a robot executes the surgery and it's fascinating to watch but the downtime is less less risk of infection you know it's a really high-tech surgery and they don't offer it many places actually in the UK it's becoming more common so dad was very lucky as well to be able to have access to that and again free of charge on the NHS so I, I got a question about surgery where do they go in Six small holes. Wow. So rather than one great big one, yeah. I have six small holes. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, as opposed to the old technique of quite a slice and dice and in you go and, you know, and there's so, there, I mean, there's a lot of stuff inside in that area that one's got to be careful. And obviously when you talk incontinence and, and, and other things that are in there, I mean, that's interesting. The side effect profile from that surgery is much less than an open surgery. Now that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with an open surgery. Mm. And for instance, I know of a lady that is, needs to have a parathyroid operation to remove a parathyroid but well, won't do where's it where's the parathyroid it's gone the opposite sides of your thyroid oh, okay. around the sides of your neck because there's thyroid is, is that the only place we have thyroid glands no we have no you don't you have I can't, uh, God, this under, is taking me back to my anatomy underarm <laughs> underarms aren't there thyroids under here too and yes you can um you can really, oh god james i can't remember it's, <gasps> take, it's taking me back your to, professors will be listening going oh. and now that that girl she didn't remember from her <laughs> textbooks um but most commonly like yeah. the i'd say majority is from your thyroid gland uh, which is in your neck but yeah you have got thyroid elsewhere and yeah. i'm also thinking around your kidneys as well you have yeah. Um, but God, don't quote me because I just can't remember. We'll I'm, I'm literally, I'm literally thinking back to the diagram in my in my textbook from medical student days. Um, but the point is, is she will only have it as an as a, a non invasive surgery, so ah. sort of the same type as my dad, but won't have it through the open surgery. And what you want is a surgeon that has done that type of surgery many times. Right. So they are really well qualified in doing an open surgery and have done it a hundred and twenty, you know, a hundred, two hundred times. That's the person that you want performing your surgery. You don't want someone going for a new radical surgery and they've only done it maybe two, three times. So just because we're saying that this was a great type of surgery doesn't mean that is the only type and the only type that people should have. It just means dad was lucky. He had Your situation called for it. Yes. Yes. Allowed for it. Yeah. Yeah, but you just want somebody that knows what they're doing really, which... You know, we've all, yeah, we yeah. talked before, research a surgeon in Dubai, research oh, your, anest- your anesthetist. I, and you, know, you never think of that. The anesthetist becomes really important and having a surgeon who knows what they're doing. And, you, you know, you never want to ask that question when you go to your surgeon. So how many of these have you done? And it's like, oh, I've done, you know, a few. It's like, well, really? A few? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult balance because yeah. if they don't learn how to do it, they'll never be able to. But what you want is somebody supervising. And yeah. normally that is, to be honest, that is usually how it works. When anyone does something new, you tend to ask for supervision or you have someone that's done it plenty of times that can effectively then sign you off. So you may have done 20, 30 with somebody before you signed off to go and do it on your own. It's just a lot of surgeries when you think about it. 
Yeah, it is. You'd be really surprised at how many surg- surgeries surgeons have done. Like, they really rack up the numbers. Yeah. And I sometimes think, do they ever get bored? Because I'm, I went to see a, what was the operation you had done? Your anterior cruciate ligament repaired. Yes. Yeah. Hey, hold on, where's that? Right, oh, right. oh like yeah. I, I can see the scar. He's the bionic yeah. man. Well, this, <laughs> but this is the old style operation. Now yeah. they t- take a piece of tendon or hamstring and put that in. Ah. I had the old style operation where they open up both sides of the knee and they put a piece of Dacron in okay. and also reroute the ligament on this side. So that's why I've got such a big scar there. Uh, so that's but you don't really see it, though. If you hadn't pointed it out, I wouldn't have noticed that. So Well, it, it's not as obvious now because yeah. this is nearly 30 years old. 30 yep. years, okay. Yeah, because I was... Well, I was just coming up to forty when I had the uh, the operation done. And knee is better. Is better. You know, no, no issues. Uh, I wouldn't say there's no issues. Should seem to do a burpee. <laughs> I uh, have trouble doing burpees <laughs> with the, the old knee. My knees are getting creaky. I'm only fifty five. They're getting creaky. It's, yeah, well, it's, well, well, mine were creaky at forty. When I had the operation done, the surgeon said I've got knees of a sixty five year old because I played soccer, football, oh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, until I was 40, and that's that's really what stopped me playing. Wow. Uh, I tried to go back, but the cartilage then kept on breaking down, so I had to pack in. Oh, man. That's that's a shame to hear. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'd probably <laughs> still be trying to play now if I could. <laughs> I'm sorry, whilst you're talking. So the point of that was... <laughs> are you answering your, are you no, no, your I'm, social I'm, media? I'm are you looking, posting on social media? I'm looking at the thyroid tissue because it's really annoying me. That's, <laughs> I'm determined to find out. You, you find it. Uh, I, I got that stuff. But the... The first, the point was, is the first time I saw an operation like that, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And they actually took tissue from the patella tendon and used that um, for the anterior cruciate ligament. But the point is, the second time I saw it, it was nowhere near as exciting. And I think surgeons are doing the same things over and over again. And they're the most competent. They are the most skilled because they're doing it so frequently. But... I wonder, like, do they get bored? Are they ever I wonder surgeries? if everyone's, everyone's a got a, bored, a slightly different leg and there's always going to be a little wrinkle of something different. And you don't, you don't, you think? Boring? Yeah. James, you weren't supposed to, I'd mouth that to you. You weren't supposed to. <laughs> well, I, but, you know, but the reason I say that is because people often say, like, I'll teach the same course. For 20 years, I've taught the same course. And someone says to me, isn't it boring? I said, it's a little Groundhog Day-ish in that the students all have the same reaction. But I keep up changing stuff and there's always a new wrinkle on something and there's always a new student with something and so you know it's it, yeah i, I don't I, get bored I can of doing understand it. that because i used to sell yeah and i used to sell to retailers so every yeah. retailer i went in basically i was telling the same story yeah. but you would get slightly different feedback yeah. a lot of it was very very similar but you would answer in slightly different ways yeah. so i can understand that and so i wonder if it's the same thing no you think it's boring i <laughs> found it a little bit repetitive <laughs> yeah and I, I like surgery. I like the fact that there's a start, there's a middle, there's an end, yeah. bam, on your way. And what surgeons often say is just how rewarding it is. Mm. Often with medicine, people come in, you adjust medication, you maybe do some sort of like testing or procedure and they're okay for a while, but then it comes back. Or It's, it's not quite, you come in, we sort you out, we fix you and you go on your way, which is what surgeons say is a real buzz about the surgery, mm. especially for orthopaedic surgery. If someone yeah. comes in, they can't walk suddenly you give them their whole life back. If you can perform an operation that allows them to walk again, they can stop running, they can go to the gym, be active, totally change their life. And so I totally buy all that. But for me personally, I I get bored very easily. I'm sure you've got that. (laughs) I get bored very easily. And after doing it a few times, I was like, what's for dinner tonight? Look at my my watch. Or I really wish in the theatre they'd put some some decent music on in here. And some surgeons don't don't allow music. Really? That's going to be boring. I think the anaesthetist got the cool job. I, I, you know, I've always really liked anaesthetics, and although they're only tweaking little bits, that is. But very they just different. kind of sit there, right? They they put together the cocktail or whatever they're doing, and they watch the 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 numbers, and they just you know sit there and read a book. It's the most highly underrated job yeah. ever. Underappreciated is what I want to say. A lot of people don't even think anaesthetists are no. doctors. And I, yet, you know what? I never, I didn't, I never thought they were actually. I thought it was like a, a technician. I would be far more concerned over who my anaesthetist was than my surgeon because when really? when 
everything hits the fan during surgery. The surgeon puts the arms up and backs off, and it's the anaesthetist that goes in and, and works to keep them alive effectively. Mm. They are like the pilots running the, the, you know, the whole operation in the sense that they get you to sleep, and it's, you know, it's a concoction of medications, high-end medications that could easily kill you if they got yeah. the wrong dose, etc. And then they keep you alive throughout the whole operation and bring you back. And if there is an emergency in the hospital, the first, the person you have on speed dial is the anaesthetist, because the anaesthetist comes to keep you alive, keep your airway going and take you off to ICU. So I have huge respect. It was the mm. area of medicine I always really liked, anaesthetics, ICU. And it tends to be the anaesthetists and, and the people that are operating ICU are the same people. Ah, okay. So it used to be that if you were an anaesthetist, you automatically ran ICU. Now it's turned to a dual competency so that you could, you get credits for working in each, but you have to do slightly different things just towards the end. But no, it's, it's really, really underrated, but... Mm. So would, would you go back into anesthesiology? If it was, gosh, if it was a smaller amount of time, I didn't have children, there's no question about it, I would. More so, I like the ICU side a bit more than the anesthetics. Mm. And I still keep in touch with the, the professors from uh, my, uni- my, it was like a university hospital. And I still keep in touch with them now. And they often say, you ever tempted to come back? And yeah, of course, I, I would love to. But it's really invasive training. Yeah. And I think... Once you get to a certain age and a certain, I've got used to having a certain type of lifestyle with with my children, it'd be very, very, very hard to juggle all of it. You wouldn't be getting me doing a podcast, James. I'd be too busy. (laughs) It would be on lunch breaks, right? If you get a lunch break, (laughs) it's a pretty, pretty busy, busy gig. I just uh, saw an old student. Oh, really? Invite her over? Uh, She's not wearing any any, uh, gear, so it's kind of weird. Right. Yeah. It's so we'll outcast them. Actually, actually, I, I, I it's, this is a funny one. I, I ran into an old student the other, not, uh, maybe not an old student. I couldn't tell which, but uh, typically when my students are with their parents, ignore me. Like they, they'll, they, they'll give me the nod, you know, a subtle eye movement or something. It's like, I know who you are, but otherwise they don't want to have to go through the whole drama of explaining, oh, this is my professor from university and blah, blah, blah. And then there's a whole hierarchy thing. Well, you know, and it, so they just better to ignore than to have to engage. Are you sure they're not just embarrassed of you, James? Because that's uh, always that, an option. That's a possibility as well. There's a big possibility that that is also what's going I'm on. I'm sure that's not the case. <laughs> but still, do you ever find that students remember you, but you can't remember them? All the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They'll say, oh, I remember I was in this class. It's like, yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> good luck in life. I don't remember but you. But it, it depends if they if they do something that distinguishes them. So if they were the, the, the worst student I'd ever had, I usually remember those students. Or if they did something totally bizarre, I'll remember those students. You know, or, or someone who really did exceptional work. I'll, that's It's the middle of the road. Never remember them. So... But, you know, if they then say, oh, remember, I was with, in this class in this year with this person, then, oh, yeah, okay, I, I get, yeah, maybe. But, I mean, I've had a lot of students now, 20 years worth. My goodness, so yeah, how can you but the, the good thing is you meet them in, now in the workplace. So they'll be a manager somewhere or they'll be running something in the PMO and or you're at the airport and they're running one of the departments and they'll come up and say, oh, you know, here, come this way. Like, you know, don't you remember me? I was in two, I graduated in 2010. It's like, oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's so nice. They'll remind you of the people they graduated with because then they'll put it all together because you know, might not remember them, but you remember the group of yes. students. Yeah. They say, oh, I was with so-and-so and so-and-so. And, oh, and so-and-so has two kids now and this one, and which is always pretty wild when you start talking about the, you know, they're, you know, they got 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds. You're like, what the hell? What happened with time? And, uh, disappears James yeah, yeah it does you know even sometimes out and about patients recognize um me and they'll say hi how are you etc I'm thinking who the hell is this person <laughs> and also it's different because when I see them they're sick yeah, so yeah they look different yeah people look quite different when they're unwell and they come in they've got no makeup on the you know they're really at the lowest of the low and then yeah. you see them out and they've got bright red lipstick they're all dressed up and I have no idea. No idea who they are. And, and you know, you might be examining all over the place, and it's kind of like, yeah, you know, let's just pretend we don't know each other. Dad, you know, you don't really feel like that. Yeah? I, I yeah? think people think that we would. It's like when you said before about the fecal compaction and, and how you feel just, about it. Just becomes it. business. You just get it's, into the business. It's sense. like being a footballer, okay. and when you're on the pitch, it's a whole different ball game to being friends when you're mm. off the pitch. Okay. I I don't think about it. And plus, you've got to remember, we've seen so many different things. Yeah. That you just forget. In fact, actually, James, my husband had a quite an intimate exam once with a friend of mine who wasn't a friend at the time. She was just another doctor in the clinic. And a few weeks ago, she came to our house. And I said, James, do you remember? 
she did that examination. He went, oh, God, I'm mortified. I'm absolutely mortified. <laughs> and when I told her, I said, do you remember you had to examine Jane? She went, I honestly didn't even remember. Because yeah. it was just it was just another patient. and It was a complete nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way it should be. Well, yeah, because uh, people get very embarrassed. And I'm probably taking us back to the story of the prostate, why a lot of men don't go and get checked out yeah. because they don't want to go and have the examination. And yet, one, the doctor's not thinking anything of it. They'd rather you came to yeah. have it done. Two, it takes seconds. It's a really small procedure. People think it's going to be really painful yeah. or it's going to be so uncomfortable and it yeah. takes a long time. So you summed up all the reasons no, no guy wants to go have their prostate checked out. Well, I can. it doesn't hurt. It is a bit uncomfortable. It lasts a few seconds. Yeah. Done. A little, KY, it, a little you know. KY jelly, you're done. It's easy. Or a bit more or KY or jelly. A bit yeah. more KY <laughs> jelly. Done. Yes. And people, the, the doc, you're not even looking at the doctor. You're turned away. Yeah. You're in the fetal position, so you're nice and comfortable. And that's it. It's done in a few seconds. Nobody thinks anything of it. And that's it. You're out the door so again. So when you go in and you're, you're doing a prostate exam, what are you, what are you feeling for? What are you, what are you trying to discover? So the prostate sits right behind the bowel, which is why you can feel it through the back passage. And what you're feeling for is something that's really nice and smooth, really rounded. You're not, you, you want to basically eliminate any lumps and bumps, any right. ra- rugged edges. And the bowel is that, that really thin large. that you can feel the you prostate because it's obviously going around the bowel, right? It doesn't, kind of. Not really. It, it's kind of, it's there. I'm trying yeah. to show you with my hand, you're but it's, it's, hand. it's a stationary piece. Okay. And then the bowel kind of overlays ah, it. Okay, so you're, okay. And then you're going in, so you press on, on the right. top. Right, I gotcha. So it's just to just have like a little middle groove and you can feel nice and smooth yeah. around the kind outside. like a donut. Yeah, sometimes what's harder to discriminate is when it's enlarged because yeah. everyone's got a slightly different prostate yeah. and a lot of people don't have prostate cancer, but they can have benign prostate hyperplasia, which is effectively where they have an enlarged prostate and okay. they can get s- symptoms from that such ah. as urinary retention incontinence and urgency to go to the toilet sometimes they get like dribbling in between going to the toilet and they make might get worried that they've got prostate cancer but right. actually it's a benign condition yeah. you can take medication to relax the prostate muscles and the bowel and the bladder muscles to help you go to the toilet sometimes you need intermittent catheterization but usually it's it's not Easy. not yeah well it's it, it still causes a bit of a, yeah. a burden on people's lives, but it's manageable. It's something you can do something about. But people get frightened sometimes that they've got prostate cancer, so frightened that they don't want to see the doctor, which doesn't make sense, but I'm sure everybody's had an experience of, of that in their lifetime. So it makes sense that you get the test to measure the PSA levels. PSA, yeah. Yes and no. Well, I just oh, want to throw oh, a spanner well, yeah. in the yes and No, because no, I, I, I realise that mm. that's not, an accurate test to diagnose uh. prostate cancer because if you've got something wrong with your prostate, which is not cancer, your PSA levels can can raise. Is that right, Jenna? Yeah, PSA is. It used to be used as a screening tool. At one time, they thought, let's just. That was a couple of years ago. I, I heard that PSA screening. They were all over that. But they still use it, but at one point it was the market. Now yeah. it's PSA and examination. Okay. And the reason is it's a very non-specific test. So even sometimes you could have a small infection, a bit of inflammation in the prostate. For what various different reasons, you may or may not be aware of that. And you'll have a really high PSA. Likewise, you can have prostate cancer, more unusual, and have low PSA. Therefore, it's not a great market on its own. It can be a red flag. Okay, we need to investigate further. Mm. But in an ideal world, world, you'd have a PSA, but you'd also have an examination. No, are, are all guys inevitably going to get enlarged prostates and, and go down the route of some degree or level of prostate cancer in their life? Not necessarily. No. The prostate gets larger as you get older. But Any reason for that or is that just... I don't know. It just it just happens. Just I know happens. I know as much about that as I can remember <laughs> the location of the where all the thyroid glands are. <laughs> But the point is, is it gets bigger, but whether you're somebody that's symptomatic with it uh, is okay. different. You do find that people that are younger to get prostate cancer are more likely to pass it on to their sons. Oh, really? So, for instance, my dad's had it, and therefore we will be ensuring that my brother goes to get checked regularly for, for him. How old your brother? He is about to turn 37. All so right. he doesn't need to look at it yet, but I mean... I've Three more years, 40. Number of years, yeah, he should be going to get it regularly checked. Birthday, birthday present? <laughs> I'm not giving my brother no, a prostate no, no, you give, give him a gift certificate to go see uh, the fantastic you can doctor. You can go and see the same mate that looked after my husband. Yeah, it was, we'll send him that way. Yeah. But yeah, it's important that they get it checked. But what a lot of people don't know is prostate tends to be a lazy cancer. So uh. usually it's not always life-threatening. 
dad was unlucky he had quite an aggressive form and yeah it can get it can get nasty quite quickly if you are the unlucky person that has an aggressive form of cancer and it spreads from the margin of the prostate and tends to quite quickly go to the back and that's when people start to notice symptoms that they've okay. got pain in the legs or they're not walking as well yeah. so a lazy can but a lazy that's interesting tends to be tends yeah to more be. commonly it's a lazy cancer yeah. so the moral of the story is get checked yeah it is yeah, yeah as i say i I knew nothing about it. I didn't have any symptoms. Yeah. And I was just lucky, actually, that I'd moved house. Yeah. Um, because it would have it would have come out of the uh, out of the prostate and round my body if, if I hadn't had Man, the surgery. You saved by a move. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah, well, no, it's a very good thing. Yeah. And, again, reinforces yearly checks, yeah. going in to check with your doctor. You don't have to be unwell to go and say a friendly hello. And in fact, doctors quite like it if you do, even though in the UK, the waiting lists are absolutely terrible. You can actually prevent them coming in in an emergency if they come and just say a friendly, hi, just wanted to just check. Is there anything I should be I should be doing? Is it hard to get a GP in the UK these days? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> forget it. It, it. it was fine till COVID-19 came out. Now yeah. you, you need, I don't know, a letter from... God. From who? Anyone. Boris. Yeah. Boris, from Boris. Boris, yeah, <laughs> Boris. Yeah. Sadly, getting to see a GP in the UK can be quite difficult, and people in England get a little bit impatient. So if they yeah. can't see their GP today, they have to wait to tomorrow because they're not deemed an emergency. Or if they can't be bothered having to go to the GP and then wait to get the referral, yeah. what they'll sneakily do is end up in A&E and they'll say, uh, I've come here because, well, I hoped I might just get an x-ray straight away. Or I thought you could just <laughs> refer me on straight away. And sadly, these people end up getting sent back to the GP and they've kind of yeah. wasted wasted mm. their time. But it, it can be quite a burden on A&E because of the volumes of people going through GP land. Yeah, what can we do? What's it like in Canada? Same. Is it? Yeah. Hard to find a GP. Depending on where you live, it's even worse. Yeah. And then t the times to get a specialist test can take quite a while. And then I, I even remember someone recently was talking about some tests they'd had. Maybe it's an MRI. And I kind of go, oh, let's get the results. Oh, no, it's going to be at least a month. <laughs> I'm going, how is that possible that it can be a month from the time you got the test to the time that someone's had a chance to look at it? That you get the results where, you know, we're kind of spoiled here where you can go in for an MRI and have the results as you're walking out, you know, it's, mm. but it's, so yeah, it's kind of the same in Canada, People, but you're guaranteed service, right? You're guaranteed that you're going to be treated and you could, you could have some of the best doctors in the world who are working on new technologies working on you. So, so that's the, the trade-off. You don't get everything, do you? Here we get time and there are some great doctors and what you get in Canada and the UK is security systems because yeah. there's layers of doctors working. It's not right. just one consultant and you have the nursing staff that are really well trained as well to pick up on different things yeah. and you have the, the post-operative care, the rehabilitation all included. Yeah. So, you know, it, you, you just can't get everything. Yeah. But I do remember being in Manchester. It was a really funky clinic. It was a GP clinic. It was NHS. But these guys, they just, they just thought that they were cool and they didn't wear <laughs> shoes oh, they no. didn't wear socks they'd often have music playing in the background which yeah. normally in the nhs is a big no-no it's yeah. a professional environment and they all wore jeans whereas again normally gps yeah. are relatively smartly dressed and i remember you couldn't get an appointment there because it was right in the middle of canal street a really yeah. cool street in manchester and this guy was australian he said you do realize i could fly back to australia tomorrow go and get a GP appointment and fly back and it'd still be before the appointment you could give me. <laughs> it's like, you, you know that there's something quite wrong with the systems when someone can do that and still yeah. get seen quicker. Yeah. Man, Harry, this has been a lot of fun. I think we're good. It's time to wrap. Is it time to I think wrap, it's time to wrap, John. And this has been our third men's health part. We've done three. I think I feel like I should get a t-shirt made. I think about so. Men's health yeah. to promote. I think so. Got I think we, we should put together all the clips, just little clip bits on on all of them. I think that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> Why not, James? I'm up for anything. Yeah, okay, that'll be fun. Harry, it's been a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, and you, James. And yeah. we didn't even get to talk about your soccer career and and where that all went. <laughs> it was hardly any career, <laughs> <laughs> believe me. He took it seriously, yeah. but I'm not sure how I professional it was. I kicked a few people. Was. That was about it. <laughs> <laughs> but this has been a lot of fun. I, I mean, truly, and I yeah. think we've learned a whole bunch as well. So. 
you press that and I was going to say check up on the weather thyroid thing you have to hit uh, yeah we'll look at it after. I'll update it I'll update it next week <laughs> for sure we'll put we'll put it up in the 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 write up and we'll we'll put it all in it'll be cool Dr. Jenna Burton joins us as she does every time we do Doc Talk because it's the Dr. Jenna show and of course you can find us at www.podaholics.com that's podaholics with a K across the socials podaholics as well coming to you this week from the lobby of the Rove Hotel downtown and we'll be doing it all again really really soon you've been listening to podaholics oh that was nice